Matthew 26, verses 17 to 30, the Lord's Supper. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. (coughs) When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to, to say to him, one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go, will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit from the vine from now on until the day when I drink it in you with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I'm going to uh, just speak for about 15 minutes or so, if you're lucky, and help us to unpack a little bit of uh, the reading that we heard a few minutes ago, very famous part of the scriptures. Oh, yeah, that was good. (laughs) Sounded good to me, much better than what I've got anyway. Um, very famous part of the scriptures where Jesus institutes the supper that the church, the Christian church, celebrates as we celebrate Holy Communion. The song that we've just sung helps us to unpack that a little bit further as well. But the reading helps us to explore this second value that we've got as a church community now, to follow Jesus by living out the life that he offers to us. And so we'll be looking at that for a few minutes now. Now, last July, you may know that my son Ryan, my dad and myself, we went to watch the beach volleyball at the Olympics. It was brilliant, I've got to say. It was great fun. And the organisers had made it a tremendous experience. And it breaks in the play. You may have gone yourself, I, I, I don't know. But in breaks of the play... Um, what would happen is these teams of uniformed young people would come on to the court, I presume that's what it's called, I'm no expert, uh, to rake the sand, to tidy it up, and make it all pristine again, ready for the next set or, or whatever it was. But the best bit was that they did all of that. It was, it was totally choreographed, how they came on and how they did it. But they did it to the theme tune of Benny Hill. So you could, it was a very somber occasion, as you can tell. Now, obviously, uh, 
the merits of Benny Hill are questionable, aren't they? Not least for the, for the sexist comedy that uh, it portrayed all those years ago. But anyway, but the theme music is comedy itself, isn't it? We, we can uh, agree on that. Uh, but at one particular break in play, two guys <laughs> who took it upon themselves from the crowd on one of the walkways in the, uh, in the platforms of the stadium decided to act out a bit of Benny Hill. So the theme music started, the people, the uniform guys came on to rate the, you know, and they looked like they were not enjoying it, these young people. Probably being paid through the nose, but not enjoying it one bit. So nobody was watching them, because suddenly, one guy, like doing a funny run, like something off Monty Python, started running across the platform, being chased by another guy. And they did it to the theme tune, and it was perfectly in time and everything. And then when they got to the end of the walkway, the music stopped and started again. So they ran in reverse, back the other way. It was a brilliant moment, and I'll never forget it, and the crowd loved it. And they cheered, and they gave a, a big round of applause at the end of it. It could have been staged, for all I know, but it was a very good moment. It was a simple thing, just by one guy following another in a sort of comedy manner. But who we follow, who we follow is a very important issue in life. Who do you follow? Maybe you follow some people on Twitter or on Facebook. Who do you look to for inspiration, for fashion ideas, for your political views, for your sporting techniques, interior design ideas, your lifestyle choices, cooking recipes, or your leisure pursuits? Who do you respect enough to do what they do? Who do you respect enough to do what they do? Who do you follow? Maybe it's some of these people. Is it Terry Wogan? Fern Cotton? Chris Evans? How about Delia Smith? Maybe not her infamous moment when she sang to the crowd at half-time. Don't follow that. Jamie Oliver? Gordon Ramsay, what did Delia say? Let's be having you or something like that. Oh, it's cringing, wasn't it? Don't do that. How about Jennifer Ennis? Surely she's worth following. David Beckham, Alistair Cook, Tom Jones. You don't seem very enamoured by any of these. <laughs> Adele, Gary Barlow. Yes, I thought that would raise a slight murmur at least. Or what about the royals? The Queen? Prince Charles? Camilla? William? Harry? Kate? Or Pippa? Although she's not officially a royal, is she? Or what about political figures? Nelson Mandela. He's in hospital, isn't he? Very poorly. David Cameron? Ed Miliband? I'm not, I'm not greatly encouraged by any of those, really, but... But it's been said many times that we all follow someone. We all follow someone. How about you? Maybe it's no one famous. Maybe you follow a few people closer to home. Perhaps a, a colleague or a friend or a, a member of your family. For me, I respect a number of people. And there's no doubt that I follow them to some degree 
or another. I've picked up some of the, their habits. I've picked up some of the ways that they behave. I've picked up some of their ideas and their aspirations. But above all, I aim to follow one very special person. And that's Jesus Christ. I don't do it anywhere near as well as I'd like to. Anywhere near. But nevertheless, this is my aim. Now many in this room also have this aim in life. At least I hope so. And that's why we've made this one of our values as a church community. To follow Jesus. Why though? Why do that? Well, there's one simple reason. We believe that following Jesus gives life that others just can't give. And I know that from experience. The snippet from the Bible that we heard read gives us a clear idea of life that Jesus gives. And also what's required of those who want to follow Jesus. Because as our church values suggest, to follow Jesus requires that we live out the life that he gives to us. You know, it's relatively easy to say that we follow Jesus. But it's another thing entirely to live this out, to put it into action. This is a challenge that anyone who says they follow Jesus faces. And this is a challenge that the two baptism families will take on and have taken on as you look to live out the promises that you've made, the very important promises. And as a church, we've promised to help you if you'll let us. But please know that as a church, we're trying to follow Jesus, but we don't always get it right. As a church, we can all too easily say that we follow Jesus. And we say it with great conviction. And we say it with great passion. We say it with hymns. And we say it with songs. And we say it with prayers. And we say it with words. And we say it with ideas. And we say it with conversations. But, you know, we struggle to say it with our lives. You may have noticed. We struggle to put this aim into practice. Just as I struggle myself. So then, what help? can we find for following Jesus? What life does he offer to us so that then we can live out that in every bit of our lives, in every corner, in every aspect, in every dimension? Well, let's look together at Matthew's story that we heard a little bit of so that we can pick up a couple of key ideas. Firstly, to follow Jesus, Matthew tells us that we must take and eat We must take and eat. Jesus offers his friends bread. And he says this, bread is his body which is broken. For every one of us, Jesus holds out this bread and offers it to us. And so by accepting the self-sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the body that is broken, we enter into two very important aspects of Jesus' life. Suffering and service. And we find this at the cross. Jesus came to serve and to suffer so that we can know the power of his love at work for good in all our pain, in all our struggles, in all our difficulties, in all our broken dreams and our lost opportunities. 
receiving Jesus' love through his service and through that suffering is like a powerful beam of light. It shines in a vast darkness. It brings hope and it brings help whenever and wherever we need it. Now Kate and I, over the years, have had the privilege of walking alongside many people who've seen the power of Jesus' love at work for good in their lives. One particular lady who many of you know, a lady called Helen Clark, lovely, who did a placement here in this church as she prepared to be ordained. She's going to be ordained, have a collar installed uh, with welding and a great deal of pain on the 30th of June. She spoke on a number of times of the way in which Jesus served her and loved her in her own suffering. She experienced and has experienced significant loss. She's experienced the death of two husbands. She knows, though, the difference the love of Jesus makes to life, even the worst times in life. The life that Jesus offers then includes his powerful love through his service and suffering. And so those who follow must live out those two. Everyone suffers at some point or another. And those who follow Jesus look to share his love at those times. And those who know what it is to suffer have so much to offer to those who are going through difficulties themselves in similar ways. It's a powerful thing. We see it a lot in uh, charity work, particularly cancer charities. You know, those who've experienced uh, the loss of a loved one or the, the, the pain and the difficulty of, of struggling with cancer, they then want to support the cause because their lives have been touched by it. And then their lives and experience, they resonate with other people who are going through similar things. It's a powerful thing. And we can share in the those lives of those who are suffering through our own experiences. Well, that's suffering. But those who follow Jesus must also live out his powerful love through serving too. Now, being a servant isn't a very attractive proposition, is it? It's a, it's a part of the Christian faith that gets glossed over very regularly. But it's an important part of following Jesus. Looking after other people's needs instead of our own. It's not necessarily an easy thing to do. And yet it's an aspect of following Jesus that can change the world. In 2004, a remarkable lady was voted favorite woman of France. And there she is. A 95-year-old nun who spent much of her life living alongside rubbish sweepers in the slums of Cairo. You might, might have heard me speak of her before. But this was the third year running that Soer Emmanuel had fought off more glamorous candidates to win this coveted prize. And it was something that surprised even her. A nun makes an unlikely partner for the French football captain Zinedine Zidane, who was named France's most popular man in the same list. And they went up to receive their awards at the same time. And I would have loved to have been there to see that. In 1971, Mademoiselle Emmanuel was preparing for retirement, but before she hung up her habit, she made one last trip to Egypt. This remarkable lady was so revolted by the conditions of the rubbish collectors in Cairo 
that she decided to make her home, get this, make her home among them, with the rubbish collectors amongst heaps of steaming, stinking rubbish. It was horrifying squalor. And there she lived, not just for a week or so, but for 20 years. This is one of my favorite photos ever. That lady stands out like a bright light in a dark place. She's offering love. She's offering acceptance. She's offering a welcome embrace to the lowliest of the low. She chose to follow Jesus by being a servant of other people. I find that picture immensely challenging. I hope you do. You know, we can do this too. We can follow Jesus. But it takes a shed full of courage and humility. We have to decide to move beyond all that we like to say and sing and pray and share about Jesus. And we have to take on a servant-like character, his servant-like character. And you know, we can do this everywhere and at any time. We don't have to move to Cairo. We can serve others in Baston Hill. We can help at our local school fair. We can help out in our own neighborhood. We can help out with our own neighbors. We can help out in the staff room, around the dining table. We can spot the needs of other people in the local newspaper, or at the hospital, or at the shops. And so Christians offer the broken bread of Jesus to others. And that is the powerful love of Jesus, shown through suffering and service. Secondly then, and the final thing, to follow Jesus, Matthew shows us that we must drink from his cup. Jesus offers his friends a cup of wine. And this, he says, is his blood which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. For each one of us, Jesus holds out this cup. He's offering it to us. And by accepting the sacrifice of himself on the cross, his blood poured out for many, we receive freedom. Freedom from all the misguided, unfortunate, hurtful things we've ever done or will do. We receive freedom from the damage we've caused by not doing what we could have done. You might not feel like you're a particularly bad person. And that's great. I'm really glad about that. But you know all of us make mistakes. And let others down. We all do. I do. We all do. Jesus offers to take all of this from us. It's a wonderful thing. It's always a joy to see the freedom that Jesus brings to those who accept this cup of forgiveness. Some years ago, I remember praying with a guy called Matt. He was a big guy. He loved playing rugby. He wasn't the sort of guy you messed with. Well, I didn't mess with him anyway. He'd been coming to church for a while with his girlfriend, but he hated the singing. He hated it. He felt like a fish out of water. He hated coffee. He hated the prayers. He just, he hated it all. But one night, 
he saw Jesus in a new light. And when the reality of Jesus' forgiveness hit home, he fell to his knees and he just sobbed. This huge guy. The life that Jesus offers includes forgiveness. And so for those who follow Jesus, we have to live out this forgiveness too. We can offer this cup of forgiveness to others. Simply by forgiving those who hurt us. And by giving the opportunities for others to receive the forgiveness of Jesus too. And we can do this everywhere at any time. We can do it at work, at home, at college, at the gym or in the pub. Simply by being a people of forgiveness. Forgiving and holding out the forgiveness that only Jesus gives. The question is, will you? Will I? Will we follow Jesus by living out the life that he offers? The broken bread of service and suffering and the cup of forgiveness. This is the quality that we want to see throughout our church community. When we're together, in whatever ways that happens, in, on a Sunday or during the week, however. But we want to see it when we're out and about as individuals too, in every part of our lives. No matter how people encounter Christ Church Basin Hill, this is what we want people to see in us. If you want to follow Jesus by living out the life he offers, then you can decide to do that today. I promise you, you won't regret it. If you'd like to talk or pray with somebody, then we can find people to do that. And I also want you to be encouraged to do something else. Something really radical. To return next week. That's it. To return next week for communion. So that you can gather around the Lord's table. And you can hold out your hands. And you can receive for yourself the broken bread and the cup of wine. You can do this as a demonstration of your commitment to follow Jesus Christ and to share his life with other people. Amen.